This is Gramercy, the podcast that highlights the stories of those who live and work on the margins of society. I'm your host, Corey Malat. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Welcome to Season 3. This season, you will get the privilege of meeting the formerly incarcerated and those who mentor, employ, and restore hope into their lives. I am partnering with Defy Ventures to bring you this dynamic series that will teach us what the journey looks like for life after prison. Today, I'm honored to introduce you to Casey David, an aspiring film director as well as a self-defense instructor from Los Angeles, California. He has been given a second chance at life and is embracing it to its fullest. You would never know that he joined a gang at 12 years old and was eventually sentenced to 31 years in prison. Casey had me smiling from the very minute we met. He's one of those people who has smiley eyes and smiles as he talks, which to me is very contagious, so it makes me smile as I listen. He has this huge heart full of optimism, compassion, and joy, but that is only because he has walked through the valley of trauma, pain, and loss. Casey's transformation happened because someone looked deep into his heart, and saw who he was at his core, believed in him, and ultimately changed his life. Casey lives every day giving back and being that person to those around him. He knows the power of second chances. Casey, I want to welcome you to the Gramercy Podcast. I am just tickled pink that you are willing to be here with me and share your life story. Thank you. Thank you for um, uh, giving me the opportunity to do so. In the beginning, I'm like, you know, I don't want the attention, but you know what? If it can touch somebody's life, that's my goal. You know, like, I want to give it back. That's the truth. That's the crux of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very few people actually like the attention. Most everybody says what you just said. I don't want the attention. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that so many people have said the same thing, but in different ways. And the end goal is if it will help somebody else, I'll do it. And I love that heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, let's start with an uh, easy question, like an icebreaker. Okay. This one is fun. And um, I don't know what I would say, actually didn't answer to it. So good (laughs) luck with your answer. Okay. If we had a time machine and you could travel anywhere in the world at any time in history, where would you go and why? Oh my God. So a lot of things go in my head. Like I want to go to England. I want to go to Europe. I want to go this and that. Cause you know, I've been watching too many Harry Potter movies. And movies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I want, yeah. I want that, you know, that um, dynasty feeling type thing. And like, cause I like color purple too. And I heard that was mm. like color royalty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Like, so I mean, and then I go, I want to go back to the time where it's like the the lady accidentally made the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I'll be major rich right now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you're picking kind of Europe-ish? 
Yeah. Like, yeah. if I go to Europe, I'll probably be, I don't know, the only Pacific Islander slash Asian person there. <laughs> You'd be a novelty. Yeah. You know, I'll be the one that's like a automatic dupe or something. <laughs> there you- <laughs> I yeah. already love your sense of humor. This is going to be fun. I can tell. Yeah. Thank you. And I like, I see your optimism in that. You think that I love how you see if you go back in time and you're going to be the only um, Islander, Pacific, Asian person, you see that as a benefit, not as a negative. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always like, you know, like if you think about it, like probably there's a lot of people that will hate about it and try to kill me because I'm the only one, you know? But Mm -hmm. then again, there will be so many fans that it wouldn't even matter. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Let's hope for more good people than bad in this world. Exactly. That'd be nice. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd love to hear the story of how you grew up, uh, where you grew up, and what some of your favorite wonderful memories are, and what were some of the hardships that shaped you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I come from a very military family, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my dad worked for the sheriff's department. Seriously? Right? How weird that I'm... I was a gang member and in prison, but my dad was like in law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I want to tell you that I'm a twin. You are. Yeah. And my brother's name is Kyle David, right? Kyle David and Casey David. Yeah, Casey. Well, that's a mouthful for your mom and dad. Yeah, I know. Like, I think they got scared of having other kids because we were too much for them. <laughs> You're the only two? Yeah, we're the only two. Are you identical or fraternal? Very identical. Really? Yeah, even the way we speak, it's so weird. Like, I'll cut my hair, and all of a sudden, he'll cut his hair. I'll grow my hair out, and all of a sudden, like, I haven't heard from him for a while. So it's like, he'll grow his hair out. It's weird. And do you still live close by each other? He is still a lifer right now. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sometimes I ask questions that stick my foot in my mouth, and I'm sorry. Just tell me it's if okay. I offend you with my questions. No, no. Literally, my, my, right now, my heart is open, and it's very, um, like, it's pleasing for me to um, share my story with you because you've been so accepting. So mm-hmm. it's okay. You can ask anything. I, I'll be really open to, you know, I already prepared myself to open up. <laughs> well, you I know? appreciate that because I, I do know that, you have to be really careful of the questions that you ask because they're reliving this again in their mind. And that's never really a healthy place to go, especially when you've gotten to a healthy place going backwards is hard. So if something is, is too hard for you, you have the freedom to, to say, I I can't go there right now. And it won't offend me. Thank you so much. Cause like, seriously, like I was thinking about some questions you might ask and I was already getting emotional, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, I can understand. I appreciate that. So, and, um, you and yeah. your twin, you were close growing up, obviously. Very close, very close. We were like, I won't say hip to hip, but we're like, you know, like very tight. Like wherever he goes, I go. What he do, does, I do. You know, like just wanting to be there, protect each other and, or just the little joys, you know, and stuff like, like um, before, like me and my dad, we would go get like Pokemon cards and... <laughs> 
in the mall and me and my brother would go like search around for him and then my dad would buy him right and he would hide it so me and my brother would like literally be like little detectives and trying to search for the pokemon cards that he, he would buy like stacks of pokemon cards and we would climb literally like it's fucking high right we would try to climb up in the cabinets and stuff and look for them and what's crazy is that we would find them that's a really fun memory of where instead of just handing your kids something you bought for them finding it like a detective that sounds totally like something a uh, law enforcement officer would do (laughs) oh my god yeah i probably got that from my dad was one of you more the leader than and one of you more the follower definitely my brother was more of the leader like he'll put himself out like that stuff like that i I was the good kid i was chill oh okay like right now my personality right now like you see it was way different back then like I wasn't so open. I was shy. I was a little chubby kid, you know, like, um, shy to talk to the girls. Um, I was like, I just didn't want attention, you know, like, mm-hmm. I was the good kid, right? Like, with mm-hmm. the lunchbox, but always the one getting bullied, you know? Oh. Yeah. Always he was bullied. The, yeah. He was like the, like the famous, famous one, you know, like, yeah. he was the popular one. Yeah. Well, I mean, and how does bullying affect a child's psyche? Like, I just can't imagine what that did to your self-esteem. I didn't, when, every time I get bullied, like, I would cry, you know, and um, I don't want to speak bad about my dad or nothing like that, but he was so hard and disciplined, right? And he was, like, really strict. Mm-hmm. The stress they have from working inside the jail, you know, or, or being on the field, like, it's stressful, like, you might mm-hmm. die, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he brings that stress back. And I remember like getting bullied in one time and um, it, man, it started very young. It's crazy. Mm. And yeah, like, well, before I get back there, I would come home and like, I remember one time when I was, it was a private school in Los Angeles, Los Angeles. It was, uh, uh, it was barely even a uh, kindergarten and there was a kid, you know, there's orientation and we have to listen to the teacher, you know, like, the um the catholic teacher and stuff and mm-hmm. there was this kid that was um a little bigger than me but i was just a little polite you know hands in my lap hands you know like paying attention and he would like really like try to be my friend through aggression and he's like would you be my friend would you be my friend and then at one point like um i said i kept saying yeah yeah and he would grab a pencil that was sharpened and like stab me on my leg yeah, and I was so scared, like, like he's like, be my friend, be my friend, you know, I mean, I'm laughing now, but it's, like, weird, and then I would run to the bathroom, like, and I would cry, I would be scared, I would, didn't want to go back to, you know, the, the auditorium, and then when I go back, he's like, ah, oh, my friend's back, and I'm like, I'm so scared, you know? Oh, my goodness, like, what uh, kid has the words to, to verbalize anything about that, except for, I'm afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. And it's so funny because the picture that we took, you can tell I was like mad in there, you know? (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's how it, I like how you describe that friendship by aggression. So you grew up in Santa Monica or LA area? Yeah, Hollywood, West Hollywood. Even though your dad was in the military, you didn't travel to different bases around? You were in the one location? Yeah, when he came, he finally came with um, my mom here in uh, in the states because my mom was a registered nurse from new york Mm -hmm. well he wanted to stay here so what happened was he 
and uh, did some um, college and he joined the law enforcement and um, it was just like he was always gone you know mm. and a boy but, needs his dad huh yeah yeah. But I do remember him telling me a story that he would go to school, like, and he would bring us to the park and let us play in there, you know, and he would do his studies in, 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 in the park. And I didn't realize that we we're babies, you know. So he mm -hmm. was so busy at that point mm -hmm. trying to get his life together, trying to make it good for me and my brother and for my mom. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that. All I noticed was he's never there, mm. you know. Yeah. I felt rejected. And the times that I do come to him, it's like we're getting disciplined. We're getting smacked and stuff like that. Like harsh words, you know, to mm -hmm. a kid. Like when you don't explain things, hey, you're being bad or, or um, I'm disciplining you because you punched your brother and it's not good. You know, it's not polite to do that. Do this, do that. And I would really think I'm a bad kid. So there's um, no why. Yeah. No wonder. What about how did your mom enforce love or give discipline oh yeah so she was she's always like we were her babies her pride so she would overly protect us <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and um sounds like you had the extremes then extremes on both sides yeah i remember a time when we did run away from home my mom was the only one who searched for us right and we would be hiding in the garage and stuff like that or the roof i think we were like middle school Mm. and yeah we didn't go that far we were like hiding up on the roof like you mm. know like that that adventure type thing like oh yeah we're gonna do it then we don't do it too scared to do it you know and then yeah. um we have our stuff packed and you know like pretending that we're like little military men with backpacks that have like like um first aid kit a little bit of cash which we didn't have that much i'm just trying to picture young casey and yeah. how you were already so scarred from the bullying and the lack of maybe affection. Where did you search for that? How did you find value or how did you end up finding yourself as that middle school or high schooler with a heart that's already coming into that very hard age of life? Um, the weird thing is that in my generation of cousins, there is a big gap. Either you're very young, like a lot of my, my cousins and stuff were like either very young and my other side were like very old. Like, so it was basically me, my brother and my cousin Brian. We're almost, we were like literally the same age, all three of us. Mm -hmm. and everybody, let's say, we, let's say we're um, 12. Everybody was like in their 20s, all my older cousins coming from the uh, village. Yeah. yeah, and then all my other younger cousins are like, not a nine or seven, you know? So mm -hmm. we, we don't really like match with the younger guys. So we'd always look at the older cousins and the mm -hmm. uncle. And what's crazy, I'm gonna share a story with you that um, in LA, all my mom's sisters and brothers start coming from the Philippines because, uh, you know, they were, they were coming to, you know, America um, through my grandpa and stuff like that. I didn't know who like is taking care of me because there's so many of them you know oh was, my goodness yeah yeah and there was at one point there were so many people living in our house like <laughs> you know what i mean so you are surrounded by family it's it's weird in the, in the filipino culture we are very close you know but mm -hmm. i think i remember i was jealous of the attention my dad would give them 
Oh. Yeah, and he wouldn't give it to us mm-hmm. because he had to, you know, teach them how to drive, bring them to high school because they're older, you know. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the kid, the youngest ones, are the ones that you have to pay attention to. Mm, yeah, you know? they're still forming yeah. all of their habits and behaviors and thoughts. So I, yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was going on, and I had to find myself, uh-huh. and I had to learn on my own because. I started to mistrust, to distrust people, you know? And people I wasn't sure. or adults? Adults. Good one. That's very specific. You're right. Adults. I would really, like, look up to them and, like, really try to learn from them, but never, like, share my story with them, you know? Really? So you never told people that you were hurting? No. How did like, you soothe that pain? Um, so a lot of my older cousins were like either military or like some of them were like gang members right so the only ones that actually like really paid attention to us were the gang members really yeah so at 11 years old we started to have a an infatuation with being accepted by gangs and being around um the older guys who accepted us like oh man this kid's cool because he's act, you know he's cool like you know the the same beliefs it's like it's distorted, you know. By age twelve, my brother went. He was like really into gangs, so he wanted to join. You know? Really? And yeah. So I wanted to be with my brother, so I joined too. Yeah. He was the first one to like adopt that thought. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. I was just a scared kid. He was too. He was too. And but it so, was a place to belong. A place to be accepted, to be feel like loved, you, mm-hmm. you know. And um, whatever. Whatever it was cool, we thought it was cool, like drinking, smoking, doing methamphetamine, selling it, we would participate in it, mm-hmm. you know? Because you didn't want to lose that acceptance, did you? No. no. Like, I would literally see, I can put myself back, how was it feeling? I'm like, hell no, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of something that I feel protected. Nobody's messing with me now, you mm-hmm. know? Like, somebody has got my back and nobody's neglecting me. I have the attention and I need it and I want it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so how long so, did you live in the gang life? Um, I can't count the numbers because it's like, even when I went in prison, we were part of the gang too, you know? I remember, so from the age of 12, when we got in there, um, it was not until like age 17 that we really got into deep. Really? Yeah. And we were really like, so my dad used to put us in all these uh, martial arts like Krav Maga, Taekwondo. I didn't even want to do it. I didn't want to hurt nobody, you know, but it was a discipline and, you know, and eventually like in high school, when I got tired of being bullied, I got tired of being criticized, you know, from the elderly. I got tired of being like, you know, like um, made fun of and stuff. And I used my kickboxing skills to start hurting people. You did. And so the, the guys that were um, higher ups, like in the gangs, noticed that. And so they had like, like put pride into my past, right? But they recruited us, like mm. a higher, higher organization. Mm-hmm. They said that these guys um, um, know how to defend themselves. I want them to teach other people how to defend themselves. Mm. And so um, we were um, recruited for a hit squad. Ah, so they saw value in you. And yeah. I bet 
that kind of boosted your ego a little bit, didn't it? Way, way ego. Yeah. Way. Not that we're glorifying any of it, no. but it explains no, no. what what was going through yeah. your mind. I have a, a quick question. I know gangs are very particular about they, they fall along racial lines. So was yeah. this a Filipino gang? Was it just a general Asian gang? Was it like tell me about that yeah. kind of stuff? I don't know anything about it. So this gang was um it's a Filipino gang. Okay. But there was like a divide because um back then there wasn't a lot of Filipinos. Mm-hmm. So they started getting close to the Mexicans because we're brown. Everybody was brown, you know. Mm-hmm. in LA and everybody around us was either black or Mexican and, and, and white so the Filipinos kind of blended in like for me um, I remember the history of the gang was that they became um, Southsiders they started like be becoming part of the clique of Mexican gangs mm-hmm. you know so the gang that we were in were like half and half it was weird because when we were recruited it was underneath somebody who was working for the Mexican mafia. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So at so that point, that's what you said. It's too late to back out at that point, isn't too late. it? We're in too deep. You oh know, like, no. Yeah. And it was more like the, the dangerous ones. So everything was a threat. Everything, mm. Even being part of it was a threat now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I accepted the fact that I felt valued, but then knew that a, hey, you might be killed. And we're like, can't back it down now. You know, we're all in. Did you share your fear with your brother? Yeah. 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 You told him, yeah. Like I had a girlfriend at the time. I told him, look, I'm, I'm, I want to get out of here. I'm joining the military. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm scared, you know? And I always tell him like, dad always tells us, Hey, uh, if you want to be a badass, you want to hold a gun, you want to have money, you join the military, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, man, I was already going to go be a Marine. And my brother, he couldn't catch up because he was like literally like overweight. You have to hit the the the, the weight mark. Oh <laughs> and my! So, yeah. And my dad didn't know, but he was like he 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 knew somehow something was happening. So he would get my brother into like um, a sweatsuit, and they would go jogging. But this lazy dude, man, this guy wanted he's, he wasn't like disciplined like like me. Like I wanted to get out, you know, I wanted mm. to get out. And I always tell my brother, like I, you know, I always just. I never really wanted to be in it, but yeah. because my brother, I felt valued. I, I said, okay, I want to do it, you know, mm-hmm. which messed me up. And, um, we, we'd seen, we participated in some crazy things like, uh, like I don't want to share like that. That's okay. You don't yeah. have to crazy things is, as a good descriptor. Yeah. Did your dad know you were in a gang or were you trying to hide this from him? you know what? He was kind of like in a denial because there's one time that I did open up to him. Like, you know, I've seen somebody get murdered. Uh, I'm scared, dad. And he was like, no, my son's not part of the gang. He's not like that. That's it. That's what he would tell himself. He said, don't worry about it, son. Just don't worry about it. He was in denial. Like he was in denial. And I really was trying to tell him like, I want out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. This season is brought to you by Defy Ventures. They are a national nonprofit with a beautiful vision of cutting recidivism in half by leveraging entrepreneurship to increase economic opportunity and to transform lives. 
DeFi's programs are helping currently and formerly incarcerated people across this country defy the odds by providing pathways that lead to employment, entrepreneurship, and a successful re-entry. Please visit DeFi's website at defyventures.org and sign up for their mailing list to stay in the loop. Links to DeFi's website and social media can be found in the show notes. What was it that eventually led you to becoming incarcerated? And how old were you? Was this something you and your brother did together? Or is this two separate events? I mean, I just, my heart breaks that you have a twin and yeah. you can't be together now. I just can't imagine yeah. what that does to you as well. So we're Crimeese. We were, we were part of the same, um, uh, not criminality, uh, we were convicted of the same crime. Okay. It was a murder of the same gang members. Mm. Yeah. And um, he was part of our gang. Mm -hmm. The guy uh, that was murdered was part of your gang? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, we were doing a lot of things for um, the family, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, too, it's too cliche to say the mafia, but we were literally like their lieutenants and their guards and their freaking you know, the, the ones who was protecting them, you mm -hmm. know, like we were their soldiers, their step soldiers, their pawns, you know, like our minds can probably go to any TV show that we've seen and imagine yeah. what it was like for yeah, you was, in that position. Yeah. Right. Scary. Like being around that and being part of a squad that, that collects tax, you know, I was an enforcer mm. you know? and like, it's, it does, it's not a feel good thing. You know, you don't want to do it, but you have to. Mm. Like at that point, my mind was telling me I had to, but in the whole time, I didn't have to do none of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's very twofold. Uh, I don't know if you understand, you know? Oh, no, I can totally understand. You felt obligated to continue down that path, even yeah. though your heart was telling you something completely different. It doesn't sound like yeah. you, were, you felt that you had the ability or the freedom to listen to your heart. Yeah, no, you know, it was fear of losing them. It was fear of losing that acceptance, that value. Mm -hmm. It was fear of, 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 of being somebody that was like, to be known, you know, to be a part of existence. Yeah. I die again, like inside, like my fear was not only that the danger, but the fear of like losing that, 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 that fame kind of, you know, because I already started to get it. You know, and I never really had that acceptance, that love from, from, and it was a false love, mm -hmm. you know. But you didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that at the time. No, I didn't. Hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you guys were tried together for the yeah. same crime, and, yeah. and your brother is a lifer. How did you end up being released from prison? It was not until, like, Around 2017, my cousin Brian, like, we always kept in contact. Me and him were close, you know? And me and my brother, I swear to you, it was, like, weird. Like, I had so much hatred, anger, um, even though I loved him towards him. But we didn't have any contact. He started to get, like, um, a wife, right, from the Philippines, which my family, like, tried to buy her property and stuff like that so she can come from the Philippines to America, which I tried to warn him, bro, you're a lifer, man, please um, listen to what I say. And he would get mad at me. 
right? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, this and that. You don't talk about this like her, this and that. Mm-hmm. And I get it though. You're a lifer. You want to experience being married, having kids. You're not going to have that, you know? So he got mad at me. And I remember one time I said, man, I don't want to ever talk to you again. You're putting me in a back burner. I did everything for you. So that hurt so oh, much. And I didn't talk to him for a long time. And I was very hurt. I was very, I started to feel like I was always like angry, aggressive. And that only fueled my fire. That that carried on that mistrust. Mm-hmm. But my cousin Brian, he was the one who saved my life. Really? Um, he, yeah. I said, man, I'm done with this stuff. I'm going to see my cousin. So I, I tried to push hard to get to where he was at, Brian, right? Uh-huh. And uh miracle of god that I, I i got over there and what's weird was because i was on observation like you know like i was like um the cops didn't want me going anywhere they want to put me back they want to put me in the hole in the shoe you know what i mean they want to see what kind of negative thing that i'm gonna do but i was literally trying to do good i eventually got clear to go there and me and my cousin oh my god like he went out of his way to talk to his bosses the cc2 all that stuff and like um, the warden and we got into the same yard unbelievable uh, he but he worked for omcp so what is worked, that i forgot what it was but it's like a fender mentor some type of program okay right? okay and they were counselors for drug addiction for um you know um psychology and stuff like that and so mm-hmm. they learned that and he worked underneath um miss marquez who was like a blessing she wow. i think she retired already but she was like she had like 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 juice you know that she nice. wants you to for her. She wants you to touch some some lives of the inmates who needed help, and she'll get you to work for her. That's you know? awesome. Oh, we all need somebody like that in our lives, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Can yeah. I ask one more question? Was this the first time you entered prison ever? Where you had you gotten caught ever before that and been in juvie, or was this the first offense you were caught for? First offense that I was really. Caught and wow yeah. did your heart just sink like what was, what was going through your mind during the trial or when you were when they told you you were going to go to prison yeah um i was shocked i was like i did not know that this could happen were you like, numb I didn't, numb and unbelief mm. but i was so depressed i would try to sleep it all away mm. you know during county and then it's crazy because like you had to be on your toes because there's always have riots in there. They're always at war with the cops. So it's like, Oh my God. And I remember being shot by the rubber bullets and I wasn't even a participant of it. Eventually you start to participate. You gain the hate, you gain, you gain like mistrust. And it's like, forget it. I'm going to start participating and stuff because you start to believe that I'm doing good. You want me to believe that I'm bad. I'm going to be bad. You know, yes. it's a bad, bad belief. Do you feel that the prison system as it is now is not reforming people? Or do you feel that it has the ability to reform people and is not living up to it? It has the ability, you know, it has the ability. For me, how somebody saw me get out, I didn't even believe I was going to get out. Like I said, it was a miracle because I got commuted. It was half my time. You know what I mean? Like I had to do 31 years. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. Somebody saw the goodness that I did for the kids, right? Staff saw that, and I didn't even know staff was seeing that. 
but I was so depressed. Like I was so dang depressed that I wanted to change my, my way and my habits. Right. And I wanted, I saw, this is crazy because my cousin Brian got me into this. Um, it's not a scary straight program, but it was a um, um, youth diversion program. Mm-hmm. Right. And so instead of scaring the kids, we would talk to the kids. Nice. First, yeah. My first time seeing the kids, my heart went out to them. Like I was there. I was scared like that, you know? Yeah. Like, I wanted to see somebody who I can look up to, you know, and, 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 and be like for myself like them. That was something totally up your alley. That was something you could do because you put yourself in those kids' shoes yeah. and yeah. you became the person you wish you could have talked to probably at that age, huh? Definitely. Like, what a gift. Look at that. Giving back. Now, what was it inside of you that made you keep saying, want to be good, want to change? Did you read something, yeah. talk to someone, or you just had this fire in you? What, what was that? Yeah, it, I, I think it was more of a fire. Uh, it changed, like I said, in 2017. Why am I so angry? Why if people don't want to be around me? Well, why do I push my family away? Mm. You know? And I started to say, I started telling myself, I don't want to be alone, you know, because in there, you're always alone. That's the feeling. Nobody really understands you. And I wanted to have somebody understand me. So I kind of reached out, you know, and it was hard for me to ask for help. Isn't it? Oh my gosh. That's one of the hardest things to do, especially I think for men, it's hard to admit you, I need help. Yeah. So you have done some serious self-reflection. Yeah. Like I'm you came so, to the bottom and you reached out. Yeah. And I, somebody was there for you. Yeah. Somebody was there for me. A couple people, and especially my cousin. Man, like, I remember one time I almost gave up, right? This was in Corcoran. And there was a lot of shoe kickouts and stuff like that. I really wanted to end myself there. Mm. I'm going nowhere with this. Uh, I can't even understand myself. Right, I wanted to end this. Like, I'm not gonna say what I planned to, planned to do, but I want out. Like, mm-hmm. what I mean by out, like I want to just go go to the heavens or something. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, a a cop that noticed. It was a cop. It was a CEO. Yeah, it was a lieutenant. Wow. Like, I don't want to say their names, just so that you know. It's just I don't like saying names. I understand. Yeah. It's okay. He, he came and talked to me and said, hey, man, I see the goodness in you. What are you doing? So what are you talking about? You know, like, because I was like a person that was teaching people self-defense and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that was my drive. My cause like, oh, I want to help people. But I just didn't know how to help people. I was already in the mindset of, 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 of a violent person, you know, like trying to be like a soldier, you know. Mm-hmm. And he saw me. I was down, you know. And I worked, I worked for, you know, law library. I worked for the... The, the program office and they seen the goodness in me you know and he's like man you're, you're very quiet but I see you you know I love that that fills my heart up so much I love that somebody took the time to say I see you yeah. and I see the good in you yeah all of us need that there's good in every one of us and if somebody else can believe it then we're able to latch on to that and believe yeah. it yeah that's so beautiful, Casey. Mm. That day was really that day when I was going to give up, you know? Mm, just the right time. Yeah. Out of, I mean, like, the people that I hated because of my dad, right? Mm-hmm. 
are the ones who saved my life. Person saved my life. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty intense right there. So yeah. I guess maybe the lesson in that is never to judge somebody, to prejudge somebody because you never know. Yeah, you never right? know. You know? You never oh know. wow. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that that man said those words to you at the time and that you're here to share your story with us and that you keep sharing it with the young people. That's the yeah. most important thing. I tell you what, though, he was the one that uh, put in a referral for me to go home. He did. Before he retired. <sighs> yeah. And mm. uh, I didn't know it was him. You didn't know it? Mm -mm. Until after? Yeah, until we got the papers. Wow. Like um, a chrono, you know, like stating, hey, uh, I recognize this individual. He's helping these kids out. He's part of my program, and I want him to be noticed. And, and then that I, is the main reason you're out and your yeah. brother is not. Yeah. He was the one that really, like, uh, spoke to other staff, too, about me. Wow. Before he retired. Do you still, are you still in contact with him? No, but uh, I want to find him. You know, Good. I want to find him. Well, if people think that one person does not, cannot make a difference or have an impact in somebody's life, your story proves otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be commuted like so early, that's, that's amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. What is something you would want to tell the general public? about incarcerated people that we probably don't know, but need to know. It were human beings, you know? People who start off loving, right? Innocent, mm -hmm. you know, they were, we, nobody was a monster, you know? Nobody was born to be a monster. It's no. learned, it becomes a habit, it becomes an action, it becomes, part of your lifestyle but if people were just extend that that open hand of compassion um, a little bit of care and love you know like for example what you're doing right now it would touch a lot of hearts and would change people's minds you know like yeah just sure. be open just be open yeah true true words i think a lot of people have not come in contact with formerly incarcerated or even currently incarcerated people. And there's just so much fear. And sadly, fear keeps us from having relationships and yeah. making the changes yeah. like, like we need like, to true. show the goodness in each other and to believe in that. Mm, I'm just so inspired by your words, Casey. Well, I know now that, um, you are currently a Defy Ventures intern, is that correct? Yeah. Did you meet Defy while you were in prison or did you meet them or introduce to them once you got out? So I graduated from their program in December, 2017. Okay, all righty. <laughs> around that time where, you know, a lot of muck and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, programs that people actually go to like, you or oh, excuse me i let me say i because i want to say you know claim it that i noticed people who come in there 
and go to the programs and they're like, you know, they want the money. They just want, you know, like um, to get ahead in Congress, you know. Mm-hmm. But Defy was different. There was These were professional people, business owners, 500 fortune company owners, people who worked for Google. They would come literally like by the hundreds and say, you know, I want to coach you guys this business crash course. I want to support you. And I want to, you know, I want to be a person that can inspire you. Mm-hmm. Like who wants to go to prison and do that? Right. I know, right. Some very special people. Yeah. That's for sure. To give their time like that. Yeah. So my heart started opening up like, man, there's good people in this world. These people have money. Why come? You know? Mm-hmm. And um, I started formulating my, my, my plan. So all the time that I've learned self-defense, that's what I wanted to do. Coach people so, how to defend themselves with their bodies and their minds and to have a, re- a workout regimen, you know, so that they'll be fit, you know? That's so awesome. You used what you knew and yeah. you created a business yeah. from that. They taught you how to do that. Yeah, yeah, they so did. What gave you more hope in that conglomeration of things that Defy brings, the entrepreneurship, the mentorship, or the employment, which is the thing that brought you the most hope and excitement? Oh, man, like, so, like, watch this. Humans are the best resources, right? I like that. I say humans. Yeah. So, like, as if we're aliens or something. But no, um, Humans are the best resources because without us, true resources like water, um, diamond, gold, money, uh, food cannot be acquired or gained without our touch. Mm-hmm. So we are that we are that resource that helps each other. Mm. Without us, there is no resource. Yeah, you know, my motivation was seeing other people. Like, how are these people happy? You know, really? what are they doing? Does the business make them? Does the money make them happy? No, it was their way of reaching out to people. <sighs> so I was touched by that and I wanted to do the same because especially with the kids, I started, you know, like wanting to like really reach out to them, like write letters to them and stuff. And I know I saved kids' lives. Yes, I'm sure you did. Do you, you know, still do that work with the youth? Uh, yeah, I reach out like as much as I can, but since I've been busy, like I haven't been able to, but I remember like when I was in transition housing and stuff, I would do it and I would give my time to like, um, organizations like freedom to choose. That was another program that was in prison, but defy ventures was one of the the major ones that I continued to. And then they hired me, (laughs) you know, a page too. Yeah. If somebody else believes in you, why shouldn't you believe in yourself? Right? Yeah, definitely. And it's so crazy because I love the course so much that I like gained all the knowledge and we do a boot camp and I'm also, I'm part of a teaching. I teach a business crash course. How, how amazing is that? That is so like, amazing. Yeah. Yes. That means you've totally internalized all this stuff and it's just part of who you are. Cause if you can teach it, that means you know it. Yeah. And then you become better at it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they really encouraged me um, following the film industry. And there was a couple of people, too, that weren't part of Defy that, that, that helped me. Like, one, one, his name, 
because I love him so much and he has been blessing my life is Artie Gonzalez. Awesome. You know, and uh, shout out to Mr. Gonzalez. Yeah. He's a, um, um, he's a location manager, I, I think. And same thing, like the drive energy, like he told me, like, I have it and you'll be good at this. And Barbara too, she's part of Revolution. So I do want to give a shout out to um, Darlene and Quan and them from Defy and Andrew and Mariah and all of them because they're part of my team, you know? And yeah. Um, well, no, I'm part of their team, you know what I mean? But yes. it's, it's just amazing like how people can give their time to you like that and they don't have to. Yeah. It sounds like you've found faith and hope in humanity again. You've seen the good. Yeah. Even in like in, in film, because I'm part of um, film right now, and like they love my energy. You know what I mean? And yeah, I was you have born- really good energy. I can tell <laughs> that from just sitting here visiting with you. I can see why somebody would like that. And um, I was blessed to be part of a, it's a DGA program, right? And one of my friends there, a director, and I didn't even know she was like doing like short films and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she got me to pursue. Um, become an assistant director really i was just gonna ask what part of the film culture interests you and it is the directing directing wow yeah Yeah, like that's my whole goal is become um um, knowledgeable in film so that i can share my story and save people's lives and maybe touch somebody to change the way they think and i really want to get my brother out yeah One day, I have no doubt, we'll see your story in film. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I believe it. That's my my passion right now is acquire as much knowledge I can in it, be like a sponge, and just experience every department and find my niche, you know? Yeah, yeah. And do you mind me asking how old you are now? I'm 33. You're 33? I I would have said maybe 23. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. But I have good jeans. (laughs) You have great jeans. Yeah, Yeah. fantastic. So what was it like leaving prison and having to adjust? Did you feel like people were judging you all the time? Um, Actually not, because like I really changed how I dress and talk, Mm. right? So like no one could tell, (laughs) right? Only I know, right? But the major thing that I had to adjust to was like being around people. I remember like, it, it sometimes still happens to me like I can't have my back face to you know like the, the the entrance I have to be facing it I have to remember exit strategies and I'm really anxious if I can't find a way out you know wow. and like I want to get violent or aggressive because I, I know how to calm myself from the skills and, and the coping mechanisms that I really I really use and breathing techniques really mm-hmm. helps the nervous system Mm-hmm. You know, it was hard for me to be like around too many people or people walking behind me. That's interesting. I never would have known that was would a, was a hardship for you. Yeah, it was. Did you go back to the same environment that you lived in before or did you move to a new environment? Nope. It's a great one. It's in Glendale. <laughs> yeah. My mom and dad have a, a, a beautiful place and I reach out to the neighbors as much as I can, like, hey, I'm Casey, you know, this and that. <laughs> Good. You never need help. I'm 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 willing to extend my hand, you know, stuff like that. And then they're so nice to do the same. Awesome. You know? 
Yeah. I love how you see the good in people because someone took the time to say they saw the good in you. You're yes. giving that back every single day. And yeah. I mean, it's just increasing a hundredfold everywhere you go. It seems like you're just like scattering these seeds of kindness around <laughs> wherever you go. Yes, I do it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. How did the relationship change with your parents when you got out? Or did it? Yeah, like there are some times that they don't understand. Like, like uh, there could be a family gathering and I don't want to be around the family gathering. You know, I mean, I can be social, but there are points where like, I feel like I have, I have to like either protect myself or mm. there are moments, but there is no danger. That's the thing. It's, it's just, just up here. Yeah, <laughs> PTSD that's rolling in my head and nothing's happening. It's a mm -hmm. false fear. Oh yeah, there is an acronym for fear. Fear is false expectation appearing real. Yeah, I remember that's that. very true. I can relate to that for sure. Well, let's get to your closing question, shall we, Casey? Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. All right. What is your one tip to make the world a better place? Extend that hand and be humble. We all have a story, a journey, right? It's how we accept other people. You know, we don't know what they went through. Mm -hmm. But to be humble and to be kind, to extend a greeting, you don't know that you are saving somebody's life. No, you don't. Somebody saved my life. Mm -hmm. So when you say extend a hand, do you mean a hand up or a hand down or both? Both. <laughs> you know yeah. it could even be a greeting like how are you doing are you okay you know ah, yeah That's just acknowledging I... somebody yeah not necessarily just, helping yeah. pull them out of something or not necessarily reaching up for help but just reaching out wow that can go multiple directions that's yes. a beautiful tip yeah like you're validating somebody you're you're putting them into existence you're accepting them you're acknowledging them you know you see them I love how you worded that. That's perfect. Yeah. What are you the most thankful for right now? I'm the most thankful of my freedom, my family, especially my mom, my dad. Good. Yeah, I might be kind of PTSD'd out still, but that's changed with time. I've been so calm lately. Like, I'm surprised how calm I am around chaos. And I learned that from just being around chaos. <laughs> yeah, you know? so much growth. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm so thankful to be, uh, especially have a relationship with, with God, you know, because uh, he was the only one who got me out, literally. Mm -hmm. Well, you seem like a completely different person. I don't know that I would have recognized you. I can't imagine you actually any other way than how you are now. Yeah, thank you. That's so awesome. Good. Well, lastly, what is your favorite quote? So my favorite quote, I always say this, cherish the people who are in your life now and the people that you love. You never know when they're gone. Mm. You know? That's so true. Yeah. And that's born out of your experience. Very much so. You never know that the people that just very like, that love you so much that you pushed away, that they can be gone at any moment. And including for myself, I'm not always gonna be there, you know? Is there a lot of hopelessness and depression in prison? It sounds like from what you were telling me, you experienced that. Did you see that among people around you? 
Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think because I felt that, that I know how to reach out to them. Exactly. You know, I know for a fact that all my pains and hurts, I can relate with them. It's just, can I trust you enough? I don't mind sharing my story now, <laughs> you know? Good. Well, I greatly appreciate your vulnerability, your time, your kindness. Thank you so much for teaching me so much in this short hour. We could probably talk so much longer, but I'm so thankful to have met you, Casey. Um, I'm thankful that I have met you as well. Well, I wish you the best in your continued growth and that it just goes smoothly for you it is it actually is like it's it's so overwhelming that it's almost like unreal because i'm making money i'm helping out i'm being blessed well you're surrounded by people who love you so no wonder you are uh doing so well that's great that's true thank you Corey. who casey is now seems incongruous with the story he shares of his early life His transformation just blows me away. He is kind, forgiving, and generous. He is open and vulnerable, sharing his fears and deepest sorrows. It breaks my heart hearing that he wanted to end his life so badly. Thank God for somebody seeing the good in him, having the courage to tell him, and in doing so, reigniting his spark to continue living. I'm so thankful that spark of fire in him never went out and that he ultimately decided to help kids like the one he used to be. This giving of himself brought him back to life and filled him with joy, the contagious kind. Wow, the power of being seen and the ripple effect it produces and ends up touching so many lives. One of the kindest things you can tell someone is that you see them, especially the good in them. We all need positive reinforcement. Nelson Mandela once said, It never hurts to see the good in someone. They often act the better because of it. That statement couldn't be more true for Casey. It literally changed his life. I see you, Casey. I see the good in you and how you spread it around to everyone you meet. May we all see the inner beauty of our fellow humans and acknowledge the good in them, just as Casey has. Thank you for listening to Gramercy. Remember, there is no them just us. See you down the road.